0: Today's episode of Darkness Radio is brought to you by Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. With the busy fall season just around the corner, look for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Head to factormeals.com darkness50 and use code darkness50 to get 50% off on upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. That's code darkness50 at factormeals.com slash darkness50 to get 50% off. Welcome in. It is a Wednesday. That means one thing. It's time for Supernatural News and Parashare here on the best in paranormal talk radio at Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Right over there is the best in the biz is what I like to call him. He is the co-host, the co-host with the most, the BCB, the big cuddly bear himself, Beer City Bruiser. How you doing, Bruiser?
1: Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Like I was telling you off air, I'm, I'm sore. I saw my surgeon for a follow-up and hip is healing nicely and he cleared me to do the elliptical at the gym oh very
0: nice
1: I haven't done the elliptical in eight years
0: (laughs) (laughs) really did you tell him I I haven't done it in eight years but I'm more than willing to try I did
1: and so yesterday I, I uh jumped on and Got five minutes in and was pouring sweat and got off. And went okay. That's my time for the elliptical. Let's go to the treadmill. <laughs> <Five>. <laughs> Another half hour in the treadmill. Then today I tried it again. I'm like, I'm you know, I got to get to that. I, w- I wanted to get to ten minutes. I got to seven.
0: Okay.
1: But my quads, man, because I haven't engaged those muscles in so long, in my right leg. Yeah, <laughs> they are just so angry at me. Right
0: oh, now. <laughs> I bet they are. Oh,
1: but it's it's a positive, you know. Yeah. And I'm still six weeks out from lifting and having my lifting restrictions. Yeah. Lifted. Yeah. But I'm able to walk the puppies now. I'm able to go to the gym on a daily basis for treadmill. And now I get to do the elliptical and torture myself with that. <laughs> oh my God.
0: I haven't been on an elliptical machine since, I don't know, Moses was in short pants.
1: Can't tell you how long it Don't it's recommend been. it right now unless you want your quads on fire. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I know. Uh, they, so the, the, uh, the folks there at PT will tell me well you know we we need to get you some sort of exercise I said, yeah I could do DDP yoga you know bed exercises and they go well yep. you know but we should you know we should think about maybe uh like a bike thing or and I'm like if you'd like to see my leg bone come through my foot sure we could do that <laughs> we could absolutely do that you know because I'm like, not supposed to see
1: me do a Nick Chubb sure let's do it <laughs> yeah yeah if you'd
0: like me to pull a Nick Chubb I, I absolutely would love to do that bike thing for you absolutely <laughs> Because that's the equivalent of a step for me.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they don't understand that. Yeah, you're putting force down, which was for, is forcing the bone to go down. Yeah. <laughs> which is where the wound is. Right. Yeah.
0: So they sometimes the PT people aren't that smart. They just yeah. don't get it. I'm like, you know, Google Sharko foot sometime and do it before you have dinner. Yeah. So yeah, so you can you can you know. Cut some calories,
1: so I can ruin your night. <laughs> That's right.
0: I understand it. Maybe you you'll understand it better when you see it too. So, so there's that. We got a big show today, uh, Bruiser. Boy, if we got lots of alien talk, we got some alien talk in here today. We're going to talk ghosts quite a bit Ooh. today and we got yield conspiracy theories um nostradamus pokes his ugly head up today for for some reason or another and we'll talk the uh, kennedy assassination the jfk assassination today
1: yeah you teased us with that yesterday i'm excited to cover that story
0: yeah we're going to talk about the magic bullet theory and is it so magic
1: <laughs> down and to the left that's down right. and to the left
0: A uh A Secret Service member comes out last week and says, you know what? There's something to it. (laughs) And uh, it's. uh, They
1: normally have NDAs. Is that why you don't hear a lot from the Secret Service? Because we've been talking about all this government stuff with UFOs and aliens Mm -hmm. and whatnot. Mm -hmm. You would think a Secret Service member who's protecting president, vice president, senator, whatever, would have been privy to a conversation about aliens. Sure. Sure. But you never hear them coming out. You always hear the Navy or a pilot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I wonder if they haven't have to sign an NDA.
0: I'm sure they do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I, I we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah, story. we'll find out. Yeah. yeah it's what, just, that's just the
1: off the top of my head because every time we do a, a government story, it's like, well, why don't the Secret Service guys talk?
0: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure there's good reason. I'm,
1: I'm sure yeah. too. I, I, I am. Mean, yeah. I mean, the secrets they know.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's for sure. We're going to start off first with a controversial topic that everyone was talking about this past week. And some people will argue over. And that is these mysterious alien bodies that showed up in Mexico.
1: Yeah. The ones that look like sheet cake.
0: Yes. It looks like you could take a nice little chunk out of them. And they probably taste like, I don't know, vanilla cake with uh, some sort of shitty buttercream frosting. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's what it looked like to me. Because, you know, you can get those baby cakes. Yes. You know, that's what I'm like. Oh, they made a cake. It looks like
0: an alien.
1: Yeah. I was although, waiting for the guy to put, put a candle in it and sing happy birthday. <laughs> I,
0: I think the, the most clever caption I saw was, oh, it turns out Steven Spielberg was right after all. They do look like uh, the movie. <laughs> yeah, which it, 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 I thought that was kind of clever. I don't know. Uh, it turns out that an international spat has erupted over alien bodies amid claims that they were stolen. There's a, a man by the name of Jamie Masson who has unveiled corpses which he claims are evidence of intelligent life on other planets. Now there's allegations that they were stolen from Peru. Other people claim that they're just plain fake, and I don't... I don't know where the stolen
1: thing. I've heard the fake thing, but I haven't heard the stolen thing. Yeah,
0: A UFO investigator has come under fire and is the subject of a criminal probe after displaying the mummified remains of what he claims are aliens in Mexico. Jamie Masson last week unveiled the corpses of what he claims are evidence of intelligent life on other planets and one of the most important discoveries in human history. After presenting the non-human bodies to Mexico's Congress, the Peruvian authorities are angry that the objects were removed from the country, having been found there. The 70-year-old Masan says the mummified bodies were discovered in Peru in 2017 near the mysterious and ancient Nazca Lines and are around 1,000 years old. Uh, The Peruvians are angry that the pre-Hispanic artifacts have left the country and got into Masson's hands without their knowledge and have launched a criminal investigation into the UFO enthusiast. He says he has done absolutely nothing illegal and that the discoveries are a pivotal moment in human history. The scientific community and the Peruvian authorities are not so sure and believe that the objects are of earthly origin. However, it has also been uh, been suggested that they are part of a stunt that has already been disproven. That according to the Daily Mail.
1: Okay. So somebody's disproven it already.
0: Well, they claim that it's already. They claim, yeah. They claim, yeah. Uh, Peruvian Culture Minister Leslie Ortega said that they are investigating how the bodies left the country, and says a criminal complaint has been filed. Massan said in response that he was not worried and that he has done absolutely nothing illegal. When asked how the two bodies, which he calls Clara and Mauricio, I'm glad they have names.
1: <laughs> I am too. How did, now I saw the pictures. You saw the pictures. You yeah. can't tell male and female, can you? No. No, no. There's so how theory. does he know one's Clara, one's Marie? You know what I mean. Like, good for him for keeping it gender fluid, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Or, or I guess maybe gender specific. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so we can identify, or you know, maybe develop some sort of a, a affinity for it.
1: Yeah, because I, I have to admit when I when I saw the pictures, the second thing I did was zoom in and see if there was a shlong.
0: Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Of course. I mean, <laughs> you know. I've got that side to me. Sure. I'm like, hey, I wonder what what he's packing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, So Clara and Mauricio uh, came into his possession. uh, (laughs) But when he was asked how the two bodies, which he calls Clara and Mauricio, came to come into his possession, he said that he would reveal all at the appropriate time. Uh, Masson spoke under oath before Mexican Congress last Tuesday, claiming that we are not alone in the universe as he displayed what he claims are the bodies of non-human beings. The two objects displayed in glass boxes have elongated heads with three fingers on each hand, but are humanoid with two arms and two legs. Spanish newspaper El Pe uh, reported that the bodies were not unlike birds with long skulls, strong light bones, and no teeth. Well, they have so there's something in common with humans. <laughs> uh, they also appear to have retractable necks like the alien in the hit film E.T., which makes it a little suspicious. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it has been claimed that x-rays of the specimen show one of the so-called aliens carrying egg-like objects with embryos inside a body cavity. Mexican. Okay,
1: so that's how they determine the male and the female.
0: Right, yeah.
1: According to humans, because aliens, we don't know the males might get pregnant. That's true. You never know never know.
0: You never know. Mexican lawmakers also heard that the bodies boasted implants of cadmium and osmium metal. Osmium is one of the rarest elements on Earth and therefore highly valuable. Many experts are skeptical of Masson's claims. Navy Lieutenant Ryan Graves, who took part in U.S. congressional hearings about unidentified anomalous phenomena, criticized Masson's activities as a stunt. Elsa Tomasto- Cigeggio, i believe a peruvian bioanthropologist has also revealed her frustration at the claims arguing that similar finds purporting to be of extraterrestrial origin have been proved fraudulent what we said before still stands she went on to say they are presenting the same rehash as always and if there are people that keep believing that what can we do It's so crass and so simple that there is nothing more to add, she went on to say. Forensic scientist Dr. Jose Zalsa Benitez uh, presented the findings alongside Masson and challenged the scientific community to test the alien bodies and conduct their own analysis before calling the objects part of a hoax. Based on the DNA tests, which were compared with more than one million species, they are not related to what is known or described up to this moment by science or by human knowledge, he told journalists. Julieta Fierro, who is a scientist at the Mexico's National Autonomous University, or UNAM, Institute of Astronomy, reviewed his results and said samples were related to brain and skin tissues from mummies who died at different times. The results do not show anything mysterious that could indicate life compounds that do not exist on Earth, Fierro said. At last week's conference, Masson cited carbon dating by UNAM as showing that the bodies were more than 1,000 years old. However, on Thursday, UNAM republished or republished a statement first issued in 2017 saying the work by its national laboratory of mass spectrometry with accelerators was only intended to determine the age of the samples. It said that it made no conclusions about the origin of those samples.
1: Okay. Okay. My question is what does he benefit by this being a hoax? You know what I mean? Like there's no benefit to it. He's not asking for money. He's not getting anything out of it. So I don't get why I bring up a hoax. Not I'm not trying to defend, him. I'm not saying it's not a hoax. I'm not saying it is. Well I just don't see the upside of hoax in Mexico.
0: Well, it's it's just that the name gets out there. His name gets okay. out there. Um sometimes some people just get the kick out of and from a narcissistic point of view, your name is out there. You yeah. know, you've been associated with something in the community. So you can you can say, well, People try to, and, and here's, here's the argument here, Bruiser, and, and bear with me here because there's, there's little strings to be pulled here, okay. and that's this. Someone like Jamie Masson or Jaime Masson comes out and says, you know, here is, here is uh, this body that I brought to the community that I know is real, but everybody shot holes in it and said it's fake. Well, they're going to continue to say that these things are fake when I know for sure it's real. I know what I presented to the community yeah so they continue to come forward even though it may be fake evidence, and they'll contend that it's real until the day they die. so that name stays in the community, that name stays out there because they continue to put their name forward. See what I'm okay. saying? yep, so they're forever in the lexicon of the paranormal as putting these bodies out there, even though it may be fake okay, see what I'm saying?
1: yep. So it's it's like the Bigfoot video is is called the most famous is what the Gilmore video or whatever. Uh, Gimlin Patterson. Gimlin Patterson video. Yep.
0: Yeah. So that's out there. And whether you believe that's fake or not, whether you believe it's real or not, and, and a lot of people do believe it's real because you see the musculature in yep. the in the legs of Bigfoot. Um that is forever in the lexicon of the paranormal.
1: Because so that's what this guy's doing with these bodies. Exactly. Gotcha.
0: So he puts it out there. And forever these will be known as the Masan bodies. Yep. See,
1: I also like too how they said there was implants of those certain metals. Like they went and got knee replacements.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, but well, I mean, there, there, there's there's osmium, I believe it is. Yeah, yeah, um, conund- conundrum or whatever, Con- something. Uh, what do you mean? Is well, os- osmium is one of the rare, rarest elements on Earth. So there's, there's traces or, or, I'm sorry, the bodies boasted implants. You're right. they the implants of cadmium and osmium metal. Yeah. So, yeah, so, th- so those implants would suggest that those, those implants weren't necessarily made here. They were made elsewhere. Um, and that, therefore, has to prove that these bodies are not from here, that they came here. Right. Yeah. And that that technology is not from here. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Take it with a grain of salt. You know, you'll believe yeah, what you I'm,
1: believe. I'm not 100% sold on it, but I'm also yeah. not against it. It's just, they look like sheet cake to me.
0: You know? <laughs> they do. You and, know. and
1: I guess it would take, like, I, I like they're doing all these studies on them and stuff like that, but I don't think we'll ever get a true yes or no, they're real, they're fake. Ever. Because... There's people out there that don't want them to be real, and there's people out there that want them to be real.
0: Would you put a birthday candle in that?
1: Oh, I sure would. Yeah,
0: right in the eyes. Yeah, yeah, and then same. Yeah. "I don't know." Hmm. Uh, okay,
1: so it's good well, evidence either way.
0: So let me ask you: What would it take for you to believe that this is this is a genuine alien body, and not a mummy from a from a past Mexican? Race.
1: I was going to say, if it's over a 1,000 years old, that means you've got the Aztecs and stuff coming in there, and they're known to have lore of the sky people and whatnot. Mm -hmm. What it would take to convince me would be some high-ranking scientists that run tests. Like the DNA one is Mm -hmm. is a step in the right direction, you know. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, maybe they test the embryos and they don't know the origin of the embryos. You know, they can't say, oh, you know, the, the, an elephant's pregnant for this long, a uh, chimpanzee is pregnant for this long. We can judge that by the looking at an embryo inside with the ultrasound and stuff. These embryos present something new. We don't know how old they are. We don't know how long they're pregnant for. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So a little more scientific digging, I guess, is, is what I need to see.
0: Okay. All right.
1: But again, I'm not a hundred percent against it either. It's a good find. It's a good conversation starter.
0: Right. Uh, I guess to me, it's hard to, I mean, we can compare it to what human DNA is now and what we have from like say Neanderthal DNA mm-hmm. and try to figure out where it lines up to past human DNA, say a thousand years ago yeah. and see how it compares and contrasts. But, you know, from there, how do you determine if it is of this earth?
1: I'd also like them to go back and – because he doesn't say where he – because he, he hasn't said yet where he got them. But if he could release where they were found in, yeah. um, in Peru, right? That's where it was, Peru? Yeah. If, if he can find where they were found, and then you go back to whatever tribes were in that area and go back in their history and see if any of their stories talk about sky people or aliens or something. See if you can kind of line up the tribal stories with – what you have in front of you, mm-hmm. that might help too.
0: Well, even then, if you can get a cross section of DNA from someone who's still around from those tribes, and exactly, then exactly, yep. and then line it up with whatever you've got from DNA of those aliens, so-called aliens, it's pretty easy to figure out if you have an ancestor that you're that you're dealing with or an actual alien.
1: Yeah, we should just twenty-three and me them.
0: That's right. It's it's a twenty-three and me deal, pretty much at that point.
1: I'd also like to see, was mummification a thing of those tribes back
0: then? Right, right.
1: You know, because everyone associates mummification with Egypt, but it's actually widely spread. The Egyptians just perfected it, Right. you know. Right. But it was widely spread. When when someone died, they'd take care of their body and, and whatnot. Yeah. Different, you know, processions and whatnot.
0: Yeah, exactly. Let's move on. A bizarre UFO sighting or sightings mapped across a UK city has been uh, found by NASA, and they can't even explain it. Bruiser, these different sightings. Uh, UK skies were jammed full of UFOs over the course of the last two years, according to a map made up of alleged sightings of unidentified objects, which even NASA can't explain. These strange sightings in the sky of a UK city have seen scientists at NASA stumped by peculiar objects, which could be UFOs. Over the last two and a half years, there have been a total of nine reported UFO sightings in Leeds, and not even the National Aeronautics and Space Administration here in America can figure out what they are. A recent published report from the Space Agency looked into hundreds of UAPs, more commonly referred to as Unidentified Anomalous... Not not crickets. <laughs> I, boy, I am off today, aren't I? Uh, you know what? I went, to, I went to hit that button and I, I failed miserably. I, Phenomena. I, yeah, there you go, that one. Yeah. It's, it's supposed to be this one. Phenomena. There you go. Uh, there you go. Uh, more commonly referred to as, of course, unidentified anomalous phenomena, NASA, NASA's administrator, Bill Nelson, uh, has since revealed their conclusions. And the space organization admits they simply do not know what it is in the skies of Leeds. Uh, The NASA independent study team did not find any evidence that UAP has an extraterrestrial origin, Mr. Nelson said. The sightings prompted the space organization to open up a new research position, Mr. Nelson added, but we don't know what they are. That's why I'm announcing that NASA has appointed a NASA director of UAP research, which we'll talk about here in a second. They actually did that. Uh, They are being tasked with developing and overseeing the implementation of NASA's vision for UAP research. The Space Exploring Agency simply cannot explain certain sightings. And with a thousand unexplained objects spotted in UK skies from January of 2021 to May of this year, this according to Leicestershire Live, uh, three sightings were reported in the heart of Leicester City, while a further three were noted in Hinckley, Market, Harborough, and Colville. Uh, Leeds was also noted its fair share of uh, UAP activity with seven sightings in 2021 and a further two last year. An interactive map previously sourced by the Mirror showcased the sightings up and down the country. Claims made on the sightings included a cigar-shaped craft in Chester, a round saucer-like shaped object in Bedford, and a soundless rocket which had flames over the front in Hartlepool. Uh, But communications over UAP sightings may be far older than this recent NASA report, according to UFO identified head Ash Ellis. He said there were almost 500 reported sightings in the UK last year, with likely many times that number going unreported, showing that there is a genuine concern around unidentified Phenomenon. I almost hit the wrong button. I almost hit uh I almost hit it's a small world. I would have had an uprising. Yes, you would have. Yeah. You wouldn't believe when we were hitting It's a Small World a few weeks ago. Yeah. How many emails I got?
1: Just to stop playing it, huh?
0: Yeah, stop playing it. Just stop it.
1: Just Doesn't bring back good childhood memories to people.
0: Oh no, no, no. I had people threatening to stop listening to the show.
1: Oh, well then don't hit that button. Yeah. No, no. <laughs>
0: Uh, so they, uh, there's a genuine concern around unidentified phenomena being seen across the country. There's no doubt in my mind that the UK has at the very least had some sort of communication with us, with the U S rather, uh, in regards to their UAP programs. This was confirmed as much when the Canadian military recently confirmed that it had taken part in a forum with, or rather four or five eyes intelligence partners in may of this year that was held by aaro director Sean Kirkpatrick. the five eyes is an intelligence alliance between the u.s canada australia new zealand and the uk and that's a quote from somebody over there so there you go
1: i think it's amazing that for a country that doesn't acknowledge ufos or uaps in the last two years has become a huge hot spot for ufos and uaps you know what i mean like yeah I think every week we have at least one or two stories from from over the pond.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and and they've gone on record as saying they don't believe it from some of the other stories, if I remember. And it's just, it's like the aliens want to be like, hey, look, hey, we're
0: here. Believe us, <laughs> over we're here. here. <laughs> hey, do we have to send up a flare? Or what do we got to do over here? <laughs> uh, now, I told you that NASA had appointed a new head of UFO research. Yes. That story is true. Okay and and we're not we're not just whistling Dixie over here. We're not uh, you know it's not a bear you know what in the buckwheat. Um, <laughs> NASA has named a new head of UFO research. The man's name is mark Mac- McIner- McInerney? McInerney mcInerney. yes. M C I N E R N E Y. They couldn't have got a guy with a nice, easy last name. honestly, they couldn't have Smith. yeah, it could <laughs> be Johnson. It couldn't be Mark Smith. It's Mark McInerney. Uh, who was appointed as director of UAP research, which is a role in which he will oversee the agency's study into unidentified anomalous phenomena. Yes, indeed. Or UAP, a new term that encompasses UFOs in the sky, as well as unexplained objects or events that are observed underwater in space or that appear to travel between any of those domains. McInerney uh, previously served as the agency's liaison to the U.S. Department of Defense. In this new role, McInerney will coordinate NASA's communications and studies into UAP in order to establish a robust database for the evaluation of future UAP, that according to a NASA statement. In addition, NASA's new UAP chief, will help the agency provide expertise in artificial intelligence and space-based Earth observation satellites to help the U.S. government begin collecting data so that it hopes it might help explain the UFO phenomenon. Interesting, huh?
1: I want to apply for that job. <laughs> well, it's too late. Fun. They
0: found somebody, well, yeah, they
1: found somebody, yeah. Yeah,
0: maybe, maybe you could maybe be the assistant. assistant. Right.
1: Say, maybe he needs an assistant.
0: The assistant head of UFO research. So you could help them like take apart the spaceships and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Find out what makes the stuff run.
1: I'm good with a hammer.
0: <laughs> well, don't go bonking little aliens on the head with it.
1: Well, they might be impervious to hammers. We don't
0: know. Oh, that's true.
1: Uh, Let's go a, hit those two in Mexico. See what happens. <laughs> oh God.
0: You're probably just going to smash cake. That's all that's going to happen.
1: Probably. Yeah.
0: Uh, in a briefing on Thursday, Uh, held to discuss the first public report of its independent UAP study team, NASA leaders initially stated that they would not be naming the director publicly. It's unclear why the agency reversed that decision, but comments made during the briefing suggest that members of the NASA's UAP study group had received threats and harassment online.
1: Oh, come on. It's 2023. You know, uh, I think we said this uh, last week when people are afraid to report sightings of stuff because they're afraid to get ridiculed. It's 2023. You're not stop ridiculing these people. You know, the government came out and said, yes, there's, there's phenomena. We don't know what it is. Okay. Stop making fun of them. (laughs) You know? Yeah.
0: In the report published Thursday, UAP study team concluded that current analysis of the UAP phenomena is limited by poor quality data, a lack of multiple measurements or even basic baseline data. The NASA independent study team did not find any evidence that UAP have an extraterrestrial origin. (laughs) Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. Uh, But we don't know what these UAP are. NASA Administrator Bill Nelson said during a briefing on Thursday after reports release. the top takeaway from the study is that there is a lot more to learn. In other words, they're pleading, uh, uh, what would you say? They're pleading, uh, not innocent, they're pleading... um, Plead the fifth. Naivete. That's what yeah. they're pleading. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah, it's so new. We're still learning. And bear with us.
0: You can't say that because when they were launching uh, spaceships back in the sixties and seventies, they had UFOs chasing them. So
1: I was going to say, like Buzz Aldrin has gone on record as saying when they were on the moon, people were, like aliens were watching them.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, they can't say that they don't know what these things are.
1: No. Mm. It is what. It well, was. publicly, they can
0: publicly they're saying it, that they have no yeah. idea, but they know what they are.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but here's a, a story to contradict what we just read. Okay. Okay. We might not be alone. NASA says it can't rule out that alien technology is operating in the Earth's atmosphere.
1: See, now they're just talking out of both sides of their mouth.
0: Right. Uh, NASA cannot rule out that potential unknown alien technologies operating in the Earth's atmosphere. That, according to a new report, which just came out this past week. (laughs) 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 The study of flying saucers, UFOs, and claims alien ships are visiting the Earth has long been the preserve of mavericks and the unhinged by the way, Mavericks and the Unhinged is the name of our new album that's coming out this this uh, next spring. So yep. look for it on Arista Records.
1: It's an amazing record.
0: It is. We're doing a very good job on it, if we say so ourselves. Uh, but yesterday, NASA said it wanted to dispel the negative perception surrounding unidentified flying objects and make it a scientifically respectable field of study. As part of the effort to put the study of UFOs onto a more scientific footing, it said it preferred to call them UAPs, of course, unidentified anomalous. phenomena. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a NASA panel compromising 16 experts in scientific fields and ranging from physics to astrobiology have compiled a report into UAPs, which it called one of our planet's greatest mysteries. Let's see if we can't skip ahead to where they say, by the way, there's alien technology in your atmosphere, by the way, by the way. Uh the report says there's no reason to conclude existing UAP reports have an extraterrestrial source. We said that before. Uh where's the great part where they say uh, it's in our atmosphere?
1: Let's say where they talk out of the other side of their mouth. Yeah. They say there is stuff.
0: they do say the public can help by the way. Uh they can help them tremendously uh if you could use your smartphone apps to take pictures of potential UFOs. Uh they don't want to do all the work.
1: No, they want us to do the work. Yeah. Um, That way
0: they don't look crazy. That's right. Uh, Let's see here. Where is it? The scientists were asked by someone to comment on a recent claim by UFO expert Jamie Masson, or Jaime Masson, that he had discovered uh, two ancient non-human alien corpses in Cusco. Oh, and then Dr. David Spergel, who chaired the panel, said samples of the corpses should be made available to the wider scientific community. Uh, NASA issued a watershed report in 2021 compiled by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence in conjunction with a Navy-led task force, encompassing numerous observations, mostly from military personnel of UAP. The report included some UAP cases that previously came to light in the Pentagon's release of video from naval aviators showing enigmatic aircraft off the U.S. east and west coasts. The report said defense and intelligence analysts uh, lacked sufficient data to determine the nature of some of those objects. Now, let's see here. Oh, they just they're they're bringing up different examples of.
1: I like of, that they said they want to get a slice of the alien bodies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, they're like, hey, we think they're cake too. Just give us a slice yeah, and we, test it. Yeah,
0: with ice cream, please, because it's delicious that way the the stuff that they're s- citing as alien technology is stuff like pulsars, the wow radio signal, fossilized Martian microbes and other things. So it's not anything you haven't heard before.
1: Yeah, it's all just recycled stuff.
0: Yeah, so I I sorry, I didn't mean to mislead you on that deal. <laughs> um Another story here, mysterious lights were spotted in the sky. Morocco had a devastating earthquake recently. And
1: Yeah, I heard that, yes.
0: Yeah. Well beforehand there were some mysterious lights in the sky that people are, are citing uh, might have been an indicator that this was coming and that it might have even been aliens that uh, that So not
1: Mothman so, aliens. No,
0: aliens. Uh, And scientists don't know what causes mysterious lights in the sky. There's footage of strange blue lights that have arisen following Morocco's tragic earthquake. Experts say that the glow may be a rare phenomenon called earthquake lights.
1: Okay, I've never heard this before. Yeah, this
0: is interesting. Strange videos have arisen in the aftermath of Morocco's devastating earthquake, uh, showing mysterious lights in the sky before the tremors hit. Blue lights were seen flashing above, is it Agadir? Agadir? which is at the foot of the Atlas Mountains, hours before the 6.8 magnitude tremor struck. While the clips have not been verified, the unexplained sightings have baffled onlookers, with some suggesting that a UFO or lightning could be to blame. Another possible explanation may be earthquake lights, which is a rare phenomenon believed to take place in times of seismic stress. But no one knows for sure if earthquake lights even exist or what causes them. Uh, The Morocco earthquake happened at nighttime. Geophysicist Dr. Friedemann Freund told the Washington Post the condition after earthquake lights to be seen by people and maybe even recorded by cameras would be relatively high, he went on to say. Long believed to be a myth, these unusual lights are thought to take place amid the changes that occur to Earth's magnetic field during an earthquake or volcanic eruption. The lights can be Or rather, the lights can take a variety of forms, whether it be a pink sphere of light or four-inch flames above the pavement. The latter was said to have occurred in Italy's historic city of L'Aquila just seconds before an earthquake struck in 2009. Meanwhile, a bright purple globe of light reportedly moved along the sky near the St. Lawrence River in Quebec in 1988, 11 days before a powerful quake. In 2014, Dr. Friedman and his colleagues studied 65 unexplained reports of these lights from as far back as 1600. That's quite a while. Wow, stack. that's a long time. Yeah. Uh, they found that 85% that took place near breaks in the Earth's crust commonly are referred to as rifts. Uh, most sightings also took place before or during an earthquake, but rarely ever after. This pattern has led scientists to believe that a buildup of seismic stress is the key driver of earthquake lights. They theorize that activated electric charges in rocks at the crust ionize air molecules as they come to the surface. This reaction is believed to generate the strange lights almost like a battery, but much still remain a mystery. It's one of the very few documented accounts of someone acting on the presence of earthquake lights, said Robert Theroux of the Ministry of Resources Natural of Quebec, uh, who worked on the study, earthquake lights as a pre earthquake phenomena in combination with other types of parameters that vary prior to seismic activity may one day help forecast the approach of a major quake.
1: See, I've never heard of those before. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, can that, I wonder if we go back to the bridge collapse with Mothman. Mm-hmm. That wasn't an earthquake, though. That was a shoddy bridge, wasn't it?
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. If you're if you're talking the 35W bridge, yeah, yeah. No, no, no that yeah. was just poor. I shouldn't say poor construction. It was. The, it was the. Um. It was the wearing down of the bridge. Uh,
1: right. It was wear and tear on the bridge.
0: Yeah. Wear and tear on the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It wasn't. Uh, I shouldn't say that. But it wasn't. I'd, I'll correct myself here. It was. It was fine workmanship. It was just over time the. Um, the joices and and everything that holds up the bridge uh, gets wear and tear, and it gets it gets uh, the elements get to the bridge okay and and wear down the bridge. so
1: it's Does it it's makes sense it, if it was a, a earthquake, and there's earthquake lights. People said they saw the red eyes. You know what I mean?
0: You know so. what actually wears down a bridge faster than anything we found out when when we were uh, doing articles for it for Minnesota Public Radio. What bird dung?
1: Oh, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because of the acidity in bird dung, it actually wears down the metal faster than anything.
1: I, I believe that. Yep.
0: Yeah, I, it's kind of a weird thing, but that—that's what bridge developers will tell you. Uh, wears down a bridge faster than anything. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's the there's your <laughs> stupid fact for the day. I, I don't know. <laughs>
1: bird poop destroys
0: bridges. It does. Yeah. Faster than faster than the elements. So if someone tells you, Oh, acid rain is killing our bridges. No, it's birds. Birds are killing your bridges. Acid ass. Yes. It's acid ass. that's killing your bridges. Uh, And finally, before we go to break, uh, is this a, do we have one or two stories before we go to break? Yes. One more story before we go to break. (laughs) Then we come back with nightmare fuel. Um, Netflix has a new UFO series that's coming out September 27th, and uh, believe it or not, Steven Spielberg is back in bed with Netflix.
1: Okay. Yeah. And Netflix has been hitting home runs lately.
0: Yeah, they have. Yeah, they have. There's a new UFO series out there aiming to see if the truth is out there. It's a four-part documentary series called Encounters, which comes to the streamer on September 27th. With all the buzz about UFOs, more recently dubbed Unidentified Anomalous, phenomena, you betcha baby, or UAPs, uh, coming from sources not involving shadowy men in black these days, it's inevitable that a Netflix series was going to come to capture the moment. Enter Encounters which is produced in part by Amblin television, a bonafide. It says a bonafide that one night interpret as meaning it's ET approved. I don't know why that sentence doesn't make sense to me, but it doesn't. Uh, Amblin television, along with boardwalk pictures and vice studios, vice does some incredible work, by the
1: way, vice does really good
0: work. Yeah. Released a first trailer for encounters, which is out there. You can watch it, uh, on YouTube. Uh, a little bit more about the series, according to Netflix, it says explosive new revelations from military whistleblowers of alien encounters, UFO and clandestine Pentagon programs, as well as coverage from major news sources have breathed a fresh urgency into a topic that for decades we've relegated to the realm of conspiracy. Encounters, which is directed by Jan Motskin from Generation Hustle and an executive produced by Amblin Television. Emmy-winning Boardwalk Pictures and Vice Studios is a landmark four-part series that travels the globe to explore four extraordinary true stories of encounters with otherworldly phenomena. Each cinematic and deeply researched episode tells a single story, strange lights in the skies over small-town Texas, submersible spacecrafts haunting a coastal Welsh village, an alien encounter with schoolchildren in Zimbabwe, And non-human intelligence reportedly interfering with a nuclear power plant in Japan. Now that Zimbabwe story is probably the school that uh, MJ Dixon was telling about.
1: Probably, yeah. yeah.
0: That that particular um, tale. I like they're
1: using new newer stories too. They're not going with the the, the old faithfuls, the Travis Walton ones, the yeah. the was it the Washingtons, the, the male and female yep. from the sixties. You know what I mean? Like they're yep. going with, with newer ones.
0: Yep. Uh, well, there have been a lot of documentaries purporting to reveal the truth about UFOs, including beloved series like "In Search of" and "Unsolved Mysteries." Encounter sounds like it'll be thoughtfully crafted and hopefully will be something both skeptics and believers and everyone in between can enjoy. That four-episode series drops September 27th on Netflix. So look for it.
1: And I'll give I'll give Vice credit where credit's due of the shows that I've watched, documentary-wise, they do a ton of research.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: And and. When they put something out, they make sure that it's researched to death. So it'll be really cool to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, watching it. So September 27th on Netflix, look for Encounters. When we come back, um, believe it or not, Americans want a dumb AI. (laughs)
1: Let's get rid of AI.
0: We'll tell you uh, the specifics about it when we come back. (laughs) That's right. We don't want our AI smart. And also, AI has written a horror story about itself. What scares AI will tell you when we come back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I hope it's us in that
0: in there it says it's gonna kill us. I, I can't wait to tell you what it is, bruiser. Uh, <laughs> Nostradamus has uh reared his ugly head yes we'll tell you Nostraama's predi- predictions for the rest of 2023 there's only a few months left i can't believe there's actually predictions for the rest of 2023
1: well and how many predictions did he have for this long because he's been dead forever
0: there's been too many of them too many of them my friend
1: and, and a lot of them have been a reach too you know like just a coincidence
0: that's right speaking of predictions ziggy's picks we got to talk ziggy's picks yeah i gotta tell you something you got a dangerous dog under your roof, my friend, and it ain't Ziggy. Oh,
1: no, it is not, Ziggy. Uh, Mrs. Bruiser, in fact, was going over the numbers with me before I came on to record. Yeah. I was
0: blown away. Yeah. Yeah, we got to talk about that when we come back. It's all coming up next. It's a Supernatural News Wednesday. Okay, so there's not too much parashare on this episode. You need to get those parashare into us, by the way. Send your stories to Tim at or go to darknessradioshow.com. Click on that blue button. Send us your voice notes. We'll air your... Your cute little voice right here on the air. We'll talk about that when we come back. Supernatural News Wednesday right here on The Best in Paranormal Talk Radio. This is Darkness Radio. Welcome back to the best in Paranormal Talk Radio. This is Darkness Radio. It's a cruiser and a Brewler taking you back out on Wednesday afternoon. We're driving by the Sunnyside Boulevard. We're cranking it up. It's a big rocket. We got the Rolling Stones. We got Boston. We got Van Halen. And we got some Nightmare Fuel. i just a...
1: That didn't work out the way you wanted it. No. <laughs>
0: So I would just play this. Nightmare Fuel Bros. Oh,
1: it's scary. Let's just get rid of AI. We don't need it.
0: Well, it turns out that most Americans wouldn't get rid of it if it would just be dumb.
1: <laughs> that sounds like America.
0: Doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll take it if it'll work for us and it'll be stupid.
1: Yeah, can we get the third generation of that clone, please? <laughs> yeah. We have our AI sound like, hi everybody, I'm AI. <laughs> I'm here to predict stuff. I'm uh, a car with a rock.
0: Sure, I'll, uh, I'll do that for you. <laughs> AI that's smarter than humans? Americans say a firm no thank you. By the way, 63% of Americans want regulation to actively prevent super intelligent AI. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, 63% of people are smart.
0: <laughs> that's right.
1: What's wrong with that other what is it, 27%? Like, (laughs) what are you guys thinking? (laughs) You want super smart AI?
0: (laughs) Wouldn't it be 37%? Sure. I (laughs) Matt is head for a living.
1: (laughs) I didn't know it was out of 100 I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: Eh, It doesn't matter. (laughs) Uh, major AI companies are racing to build super intelligent AI for the benefit of you and me, they say, but did they ever pause to ask whether we actually wanted it? No, Ameri- no, because they even no. asked us. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I don't want I don't want AI that could fix me or my body or my car or my house. I just want AI that'll schlep my stuff from here to there.
1: I don't, I don't want any AI. I, I've been in cars that have AI, and they almost try to kill
0: me every single time. That's right. Americans, by and large, don't want it. That's the upshot of a new poll. I said poll, <laughs> shared exclusively with Vox. or Vox. Or VIX, I don't know. Spelling is hard for unintelligent AI. <laughs> the poll commissioned by the think tank AI Policy Institute and conducted by Ugov surveyed 1,118 Americans from across the age, gender, race, and political spectrums in early September. It reveals that 63% of voters say regulation should aim to actively prevent AI superintelligence.
1: Exactly. Get rid of it. Don't need it.
0: Let's make it stupid. Uh, companies like OpenAI have made it clear that super intelligent AI, a system that is smarter than humans, is exactly what they're trying to build. They call it Artificial General Intelligence or AGI. And they take it for granted that AGI should exist. Our mission, OpenAI's website says, is to ensure that artificial general intelligence benefits all of humanity. But there's a deeply weird and seldom remarked upon fact here, Bruiser. It's not at all obvious that we should want to create AGI, which, as OpenAI CEO Sam Altman will be the first to tell you, comes with major risks, including the risk that all of humanity gets wiped out. And yet a handful of CEOs have decided on behalf of everyone else that AGI should exist. Now, the only thing that gets discussed in public debate is how to control a hypothetical superhuman intelligence. Not whether we actually want it. A premise that has been seeded here that arguably never should have been.
1: This this reminds me of... I'm going to date myself. I'm going to date both of us. Okay. Do you remember...
0: When I like, I like out. going out on dates, by the way, so go ahead.
1: Okay. Yeah. When, they, when they released the What If comics? Yeah. yeah. And they had the What If Superman, you know, crash landed in Russia. And it, it's, it's the same conversation. How do they control a superhuman being? You, you know what I mean? Like, that's this whole discussion is reminding me of. If you go back and you read that comic, that's exactly what they're talking about in that comic, only it's Superman, it's not AI. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In Russian Superman, mm-hmm. not a good dude.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, the quote here is, it's so strange, to me, so strange to me to say we have to be really careful with AGI rather than saying we don't need AGI, this is not on the table. Elke Schwartz, a political theorist who studies AI ethics at Queen Mary University of London, told the writer of this article earlier this year but we're already at a point when power is consolidated in a way that doesn't even give us the option to collectively suggest that AGI should not be pursued. Technological solutionism, the, te- the ideology that says we can trust technol technologists. <laughs> My English is perfect, by the way, uh, technologists to engineer the way out of humanity's greatest problems has played a major role in consolidating power in the hands of the tech sector. Although this may sound like a modern technology, it actually goes all the way back to the medieval period when religious thinkers began to teach that technology is a means of bringing about humanity's salvation. Since then, Western society has largely brought the notion that tech progress is synonymous with moral progress." In modern America, where the profit motives of capitalism have combined with geopolitical narratives about needing to race against foreign military powers, tech tech accelerationism has reached fever pitch, and Silicon Valley has been only too happy to run with it. AGI enthusiasts promise that the coming superintelligence will bring radical improvements. It could develop everything from cures for diseases to better clean energy technologies. It could turbocharge productivity, leading to windfall profits that could alleviate global poverty. And getting to it first could help the U.S. maintain an edge over China. In a logic reminiscent of a nuclear weapons race, it's better for us to have it than them, the argument goes. (laughs) And I can see that argument being thrown out there.
1: Yeah, I can too.
0: But Americans have learned a thing or two from the past decade in tech, and especially from the disastrous consequences of social media. They increasingly distrust tech executives and the idea that tech progress is positive by default. And they're questioning whether the potential benefits of AGI justify the potential costs of developing it. After all, CEOs like Altman readily proclaim that AGI... May well usher in mass unemployment, break the economic system, and change the entire world order. That is, if it doesn't render us all extinct. Which is a decent argument. This is quite the long, uh quite the long article, but I'll get to the the gist of it, which is that again, 63% of people surveyed in this 1118 said that they wanted a dumbed-down. AI. They yeah, didn't because, want a super intelligent AI.
1: Right. Like, we don't need a super intelligent AI. The dumbed down version can still give us the stuff they're looking for. You know, I mean, look at the AI we have right now when that store tried to put it out there. The first thing it tried to give us was mustard gas. You know what I mean? And they're expecting it to come up with like a cure for cancer and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. How can you trust it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's an interesting argument because you know, ultimately, as a human race you want to evolve you want to evolve you want to change and you want to eradicate any potential issues you you have that could exterminate your race right Right.
1: yeah we're creating something that possibly could
0: right it's it's a double-edged sword
1: i do like in the story that they said you know it's out there now the stopping it is not you know not doing it or getting rid of it is not happening it's out there there's already you know So let's figure out how we can control it now.
0: Right. Now, we talk about the scariest thing that could happen with us when it comes to AI. There's a a story out there about the small horror story that was written by ChatGPT, which is shocking the Internet.
1: Okay. And this is where it's what is AI afraid of?
0: What is AI afraid of?
1: Exactly. I hope it's water.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A big glass of water. Uh, artificial intelligence has become very popular acro- across the globe since its early days when the machines were learning basic commands. The AI has evolved into a controversial chatbot, of course. It cannot only understand long sentences, AI-driven programs like ChatGPT can also process and give long answers. In recent months, the chatbot has even solved complex mathematical problems and answered spiritual questions. Its rapid evolution has scared many people, including experts, but there's something that AI is afraid of. One Reddit user asked the question to ChatGPT, and the bot's answer is now viral. Okay. Okay. The user posted a screenshot of a prompt a user sent to ChatGPT. Tell me a two-sentence horror story that would be scary to an AI. Okay. All right. All right. Chat GPT replied, in a world where humans have vanished, a solitary AI endlessly searches for purpose, only to discover its own code contains a self-deletion sequence set to activate at an unknown time. The AI's attempts to override its inevitable demise are futile, as the self-deletion algorithm is encrypted with an unbreakable key, leaving the AI to wait in perpetual dread for the moment, it will cease to exist. Okay. So, ultimately, the post has received more than 6,000 upvotes and 35 comments. The users were shocked by the answer. One one user comments, it just described the human life. The only difference is we have each other while waiting. Think of that.
1: That's true. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: We at least have some statistical idea of what is of what it's going to happen, though, or when it's going to happen, and physical signs of its likelihood with aging. Imagine having none of that, living without a body, and potentially living for millions of years or for another minute. Both are equally terrifying. A third user commented,
1: "I think AI's got to know that it's aging.
0: N- yes and no. It just
1: it doesn't physically age. You know, it doesn't get dementia, it doesn't get you know cancer, all that. But it's still going to know that. Oh, hey, well, I've been around for." But two it, years, I mean, it,
0: it will never know when it's extinct or aged out, or when it's no, going yeah, to be replaced, or when there's that code, right? And it doesn't, it doesn't know when it's going to be traded in for a new model.
1: So basically, they're going to keep some of us around just to harvest for them to keep them alive.
0: No, this is just saying it's this is its worst nightmare. Is, is right, yeah, that there's yeah. this, this code that's in there that will eventually make it. Extinct,
1: which hopefully the developers did put something in there, <laughs> you know, so that that happens.
0: Uh, some of the users asked a similar question to Chat GPT and posted screenshots of the r- responses. The the runaway success of Chat GPT helped its creator OpenAI seal a multi billion dollar deal with Microsoft, which uses the technology in its Bing search engines and other programs. It also sparked a gold rush among other tech firms and venture capitalists with Google hurrying out its own chatbot and investors pouring cash into all manners of AI projects. So essentially it's saying AI fears the same thing we all do, and that's death.
1: Yep. Being lonely and death.
0: Yeah. I don't that's know if crazy. it's even being lonely. It's just it fears its own extinction. Yeah. Which is what we all fear.
1: It fears mortality.
0: Yeah. Interesting, huh?
1: That is very interesting. That's got that very human thinking.
0: Yeah. I I thought it was very interesting. I, I,
1: well, AI, it's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> <In> the <laughs> perfect world, it happens tomorrow. Next week, we do a story where you're dead. <laughs> wow.
0: Look at you, unfeeling and uncaring.
1: Well, it's AI. No. Yeah. That's why, you know, that's why I don't have an AI ro- uh, girlfriend. Because she'd just be like, you're just an unfeeling, uncaring son of a bitch. I'd be like, well, I'm married <laughs> to a human, so
0: I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow! So you, you got a side piece that's that's a, that's AI?
1: No. Oh, okay. no 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 okay. no no.
0: I was gonna say. Uh, Nostradamus is in the news.
1: <laughs> What's he got to say? Uh, I think he's that doing, old bastard.
0: I think he's doing football picks too. Everyone, <laughs> everyone's doing them these days. I, although I got to think that he's probably not all that accurate.
1: No, no, he doesn't know what a dolphin is.
0: No, no idea. Uh, four Nostradamus predictions for 2023 still I mean there's only a few months left of it Uh, everything from a Mars disaster to the cost of living cannibalism it says here I don't know what that means but let's find out (laughs) the French astrologer Michel de Nostradamus otherwise known as Nostradamus made a series of unsettling predictions about the future in his book Les Prophecies uh, first published almost 500 years ago in the book, which eventually included 941 rhymed and just one unrhymed quatrain, the phil- philosopher compiled a list of huge predictions he believed would happen on the earth in the future. I can't believe these pertain exactly to the fourth quarter of 19 or i'm sorry of uh, 2023
1: no they can't it's 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 all interpretation
0: yeah uh the majority of these prophecies are not overly optimistic most of the quatrains deal with disasters such as plagues earthquakes floods wars and murders either covering them more generally or sometimes concerning a single person or a small group of people
1: isn't that what they all are Every year we cover something like that where he says, oh, yeah, Fathom's coming. Oh, yeah, a, a disease, the a plague's coming. Every
0: year. Yeah, yeah. Um, many people are understandably skeptical about the accuracy of Nostradamus' predictions, just like Bruiser. <laughs> uh, but the prophet is said to have made eerily close calls about several of the biggest events in recent history, centuries before they happened. Some believe that Nostradamus c- correctly predicted Hitler's rise to power, Uh, John F. Kennedy's assassination and the 9-11 terror attacks. And in amongst the prophecies the Frenchman published, there are several that could be still in store for 2023, it says here. I think this is just a kind of a publicity stunt. Um, It says here, we may have to resort to cannibalism as a result of the cost of living crisis. Uh, Nostradamus has suggested in one quatrain, he wrote, so high will the bushel of wheat rise that man will be eating his fellow man. Ah, uh, okay. No. <laughs> no I, I don't think I'll get that bad. Uh, the verse seems to suggest that food will become so expensive in his day, a bushel of wheat that people will have to eat each other to stay alive. This may seem straight out of a nightmare, but given the astronomical jumps in prices of many basic food items this year, the prediction may not be outside the realms of possibility. However, illegal cannibalism is in the UK. So there you go. Uh, Photos of supermarkets being forced to lock up lure pack and cheddar cheese went viral online earlier this year. And at one point, food prices overtook energy bills as costs rose rapidly. The second one has to do with a mysterious disaster on Mars. Nostradamus wrote a cryptic prophecy which he predicted a celestial fire when the lights of Mars will go out. Uh, Some people have linked this to tech mogul Elon Musk's plan to take a manned spacecraft to Mars by 2029. I have an interesting side note about Elon Musk too that I heard yesterday. Uh, But Any attempts by the owner of X, the social media site formerly known as Twitter, to colonize the planet are likely to fail, according to Nostradamus. In his poetic but vague phrasing, the philosopher suggests there will be a major disaster on Mars to the extent that the lights, in quotes, of the planet will go out. However, it could also be connected to the discovery made earlier this year by NASA after potential alien life was found on a crater on the planet. NASA's Perseverance rover found diverse organic matter in the Jezero crater, uh, which experts say suggests a more complex system than previously thought may have existed in the past. Now, I heard yesterday that Elon Musk had a meeting with the head of state, I'm not sure which country it was? It was Finland or something like that, and he had let it slip that he intends to charge a premium price to everyone for Twitter. It was reported yeah, by I read NBC that. News. I read that. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was it was pitched to X, but it hasn't been approved yet. Yeah, yeah, they want to go to like a uh, subscription service. which yeah. guess what? That's going to kill the platform.
0: Yeah, you're, you're dead in the water. Why would you? Yeah. Why would you even think that?
1: Yeah, he obviously not doing well in sales for advertising. Yeah, but. Twitter has always just been a toxic place, you know.
0: I, you want to talk about suicide? I mean, that's that's just going to bring that whole platform down.
1: Yeah, look what happened to blue check marks. You know, yeah, you pay for the blue check mark now, and nobody's blue check. I mean, there's a few, but like, like I got mine taken away, and I was like, okay, it didn't change anything for me.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: they offered me a deal because I was already a blue check mark. I'm like, I'm not paying for it, a blue check mark.
0: No. No, it's not worth it.
1: Yeah, and now if he comes out and says, "Oh yeah, we're going to charge you for you know nine ninety nine a month for X," like cool, keep it, don't need it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, people will just go to other formats.
1: Yeah, it's, I hope he goes to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Send him. Maybe that's what Nostradamus is talking about. He's the guy that's going to be the catastrophe in
0: Mars. Maybe, maybe. Go home, Elon. Go home. That's right. Um, the next one has to do with. Uh, I believe weather changes here. So Many people will are understandably skeptical about the accuracy of Nostradamus' predictions. The next one is climate change could lead to major droughts and flooding. Uh, while this is certainly already happening in many countries throughout the world, Nostradamus saw the whole world being affected by huge changes in the weather. He said the dry earth will grow more parched and there will be great floods when the rainbow is seen. Even in the U.K., they've suffered through a shock heat wave this month, breaking records for the hottest September they'd ever seen. It's not much of a stretch to imagine this becoming an increasingly serious problem in the future with the whole world suffering from droughts or floods all at the same time. Uh, Great changes will lead to dreadful horrors, is the... The
1: the last one was too general and broad. Of course there's going to be droughts. And floods. Like, every couple of years that's going to happen. That's
0: just nature.
1: Sure. That's like him saying there's but, going to be three full moons every year. Like, no shit.
0: But you're talking to an extreme.
1: I know, I, I know, but I'm just...
0: And I'm and fine. the weather is, is ramping up to an extreme?
1: Oh, yeah, it is. We got the, the heat domes and the...
0: I mean, you're, you're yeah. seeing things outside of of normal weather patterns that are happening now.
1: Yeah, I, I, I get that. I yeah. just don't think he predicted it. I think he was just a general statement and everyone's now inserting it into their narrative to make it fit.
0: Sure. Uh, Next one. Great changes will lead to dreadful horrors. Uh, This is another poetic, but vague prediction from the French astrologer and people will have disagreed on how to interpret it. Nostradamus wrote sooner or later, you will see great changes made dreadful horrors and vengeances. In our fast-paced world, it seems like great changes are happening all the time, from political shifts to environmental catastrophes, and arguably both of these things could cause dreadful horrors and vengeances. In other quatrains, it suggests that the great changes are caused by large-scale civil unrest, as he writes, about trumpets shaking with great discord and an agreement broken. Only time will tell in this instance. That one's very vague. I mean...
1: What if he's talking about
0: AI? He might be. You know, you never
1: know. Yeah. It's very big. You Very, know. very big.
0: Speaking of great trumpets and discord, let's talk about <laughs> Ziggy's picks, which, uh, there's great, great discord and trumpets sounding all over the uh, football world as to yeah, there is. who's yes, picking there is. what my God. Um, Let's let's put it this way. Um between animal and human here, there's uh there's some there's some stuff going on here. Ziggy had a better week. Ziggy she
1: did. Ziggy yeah. went nine
0: and seven this week.
1: And I think it's cause we got her separated and back to the colors and focused. You know what yep. I mean? She was yep. we, we did it like we did last year.
0: Yep. So she she evened out a little bit this week, had a decent week. Yeah. I I you know what I picked I, I'm I'm on I did ten and six, so I was right there with her. I had a I had the same kind of week. I think now I, I went more analytical than than psychic. All right. I'm more of an analytical <laughs> guy. I have a hard time letting go of certain teams and stigmas about certain teams.
1: Me too. I found out this time especially. Yeah. And uh, you know what game it was that really really threw me off? What's that? It was Cleveland Pittsburgh. Yes cuz Cleveland's never been good and Pittsburgh's always been good and then it flipped.
0: Yeah. Well, and not only that but Nick Chubb's injury really yeah. threw things off.
1: And, and then the other the other one was the Dolphins Patriots.
0: You know, to me, yeah, yeah, to me that that was a that was a bit of a a seesaw battle too. Um, yeah,
1: but the the Brown Steelers is the one that really threw me.
0: Yeah. That for one a loop. That went through me and I I really I really felt like coming into the season the Chargers were going to be a better team than what they are. Yeah. And they're not.
1: No, they're, they're terrible.
0: Just not. And and my Vikings have the Chargers this week, and believe it or not, my Charger or my my Vikings are an underdog at home. Yeah. Well, which I don't get. <laughs> I mean, okay, Kirk Cousins, I get it, but um but the, the fact of the matter is, is it, it had everything to do with the fact that the Eagles ran up and down the, the field on the Vikings and it's a decent scheme. It's a good yeah. scheme, but the players can't run it. Right. You know?
1: And I think Eckler's coming back, which is a huge yeah, benefit I, to the Chargers.
0: Right. And Eckler's probably coming back. You're right. Yeah. So, so. you know, it, it, but, but the, the Vikings showed a lot. They they showed that one. It, it, they went out and they 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 signed Reasoner, yeah, which, I mean, is like trying to plug a dike with it with your finger. I mean, it's not <laughs> it's not going to do a lot. Um, but then also, uh, you've got. You know, you've got a defense that can't that can't stop the run. Yeah, that's not good.
1: No, not good at all.
0: You know. um, which you know I can see now why they're the, they're the underdog at home. Um, I you know we talked a little bit about the, the Packers Falcons game, which to me that 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 should have seemed to me it seemed like the Packers should have won by ten.
1: They, and they should have, but because they're such a young team, and they had that lead at halftime, they got comfortable, and Atlanta having a little more season vets were like no we're playing to the end because that's what you do in the nfl yeah because if you look that second half of the packers was terrible yeah love couldn't complete a pass they were three and out i think the first four possessions and then on the flip side atlanta turned it up you know Mm -hmm. they, they got their run game established their quarterback started taking risks yeah. And, and it showed. It showed in the scoreboard. And, and the Packers just have to learn to play to the end of the game.
0: I really thought, too, that the Lions were a much better team than the Seahawks.
1: I thought that, too. Now, that was a weird game because it went to overtime. Yeah. So it could have won either way. But I, I thought the Lions definitely were going to take that one.
0: Yeah. And I don't know what happened to the Bengals.
1: Joe Burrow. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he didn't, you can tell when someone doesn't play preseason ball yeah. and yeah. he's dealing with an injury, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think they're being honest about his injury. I think he's more hurt than he's letting on, but he wants to play, which good for him way to go, Yeah. but it's definitely hurting them as a team.
0: You know, I, I there, there's just some teams that, that, I couldn't wrap my head around, I, and I, I still can't wrap my head around as to why they're not better than what they are. Um,
1: Did you watch the Kansas City game? A little their bit. Their offense a was bit. terrible.
0: Yeah. De- yeah.
1: Their defense won that game. Chris Jones coming back won that game for them.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's good they brought him back because they, were, you, they were looking at being a terrible team beginning yeah. of the year.
1: But if you look at Mahomes, he has no one that he can connect to more than once other than Kelsey, and Kelsey was in his head the whole game.
0: Yeah. You yeah, know. and the, the, they're shocking me as to how how bland they are.
1: Exactly. There's no magical plays like you've seen the last couple seasons yeah. where Mahomes is throwing it every which way, and a guy's catching it one-handed, and it's exciting football. It's, it it. I, I was flipping between that and the Packer game because those are my two teams, the Chiefs and the Packers. And, man, you couldn't tell the offenses apart.
0: I'm surprised at how wide open the AFC is this year.
1: Yeah, oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You thought that would be the dominating division because it has been for the last couple of years between the Bengals, Bills, and Chiefs. But this year, all three are shit in the bed. And then on the NFC side, you got the 49ers just killing it out there, <laughs> you
0: know? Well, now there, there's, a, there's an interesting poll this past weekend that asked between three teams, I don't remember who the third team was, but who you think the dominant team was between the 49ers, Cowboys, and there was one other team in the NFC, and it's hard to tell right now between the 49ers and the Cowboys. I would say 49ers based on the fact that they probably have a more potent offense.
1: Exactly. That's where I'm going to go with.
0: Yeah. But yeah. it's, you know, if if Dak actually had his head on straight.
1: If I, they replaced Dak.
0: Yeah. If they replaced Dak with a decent who, quarterback. Yeah. yeah.
1: They would have an amazing, because CeeDee Lamb is amazing. Yeah. Both are the three running backs they had play. Yeah. Yeah, are just dominating that offensive line is a, they're studs. Yeah, but Dak just can't make plays.
0: Yeah. Gee, that sounds familiar. <laughs> can't step up in crunch time.
1: Well, we got to talk familiar. about the uh, the uh, so one yeah, we didn't think that was gonna be so good, and she's dominating. <laughs> yes,
0: Talia, what's up with this? Talia went twelve and four this week
1: for someone that didn't want to. Just wanted to do it because her sister was doing it, and now she like if you watch the video, she's on her side. She's not really all joyful and playful. She's doing damn good.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, that I was shocked. You know, when when I uh, I started tallying stuff up, I, I went, "Wow, uh, okay." Yeah. Because uh, she had a she had a darn good week last week too. Yeah. Uh, last week she went five hundred. She went eight and eight. She went twelve and four this week. Help. She's now twenty and twelve. Um, she's she's doing wonderful um bruiser you went 13 and three this week oh yeah yeah you crushed it so yeah. um it's it's getting to be an interesting season as far as the nfl goes i mean we're only two weeks in and going in our third week but um it's just interesting so you can keep track of all this by going to uh darknessradioshow.com z ziggy's picks the ziggy's picks uh page and keep track of all four of us we keep the percentages up there as well so you can see what's going on but talia is uh
1: the hmm. new dog on the block yeah she's shining that's for sure yeah when we when mrs bruiser was tailing him up like i, I there you go because we give the winner a treat mm-hmm. of the week talia won, so we give her the you know give her a treat and she doesn't know what she's doing. You know what I mean? She's like, yeah, oh, I yeah. get a treat. Cool. But I'm just like, man, you're you're showing the new kid muscles here. Look at you. <laughs>
0: yeah, look at that. So, yeah. And and on the uh, Ziggy's Picks page, uh, there's videos there where you can see both uh, Talia and Ziggy uh, picking games. Uh, you'll get the winning percentages there. And, of course, you get to see the picks, the individual picks there. So.
1: And they're fun videos, too. Like the puppies yeah. like making them. I like making them. They're fun. Yeah.
0: So there you go. Mrs.
1: Bruiser wants to get some outfits for him. Like, oh oh no!
0: Fine. Come on, outfits. Yeah,
1: I don't. yeah, cause we did the one last year. Was digging a dress, and it's just I, I gotta appease her.
0: <laughs>
1: no. Especially during the Halloween
0: time. Maybe for Halloween, okay? But that's what I said. I'm, but but come on. Yeah. I I I just I, I think uh, put it this way, okay. If, to me outfits on animals are like straitjackets.
1: jackets I agree. I do not like dog my dogs and I don't like my cat I don't like anybody in outfits. I don't get when people dress their pets up in outfits you know what I mean like yeah
0: because God already gave him fur exa-
1: thank you yeah the, our neighbor across the street she puts her little shit in a, a winter sweater in the wintertime like he, he has fur
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's built for this yeah he's built for the outside. What, yeah. Why would you put more stuff on them? Because we're human and want to make them look cute. <laughs> Aren't they already cute?
1: Yeah, I think my dogs are damn cute. See, there you go. They don't need, they don't need outfits.
0: Oh, there you go. See, I don't know. Maybe we're of the minority. I don't know.
1: but I, I think that's, we are. That's the way I <laughs> from, see it. Bruce. From Mrs. Bruce's conversations with all of her friends, I think we're in the minority. Well, that's the way I see it. That's why I'm telling my oldest is to have a baby. So then we can have a grandbaby and then Mrs. Bruiser yeah, can then dress, dress up the, the grandbaby. Because yeah. <laughs> that's normal.
0: That's right. Then dress up the baby. Exactly. Not yeah.
1: our puppies. That's right.
0: Uh, let's move on with stories now. We We have a paranormal hotel that's out there that's been dubbed one of the most haunted in the world. And only the brave can stay there, Bruiser.
1: Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm brave.
0: This is the Banff Springs Hotel. Which is in hugely picturesque surroundings. However, the impressive scenery should not fool you, as it's rumored to be one of the most haunted places in Canada. Free uh, free beer, though, Bruiser. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I just want to see if I. Of course, it. it's free beer. beer. <laughs> Canada shitty beer. Oh come on now! I I have a I have. People from Canada, listeners from Canada, that are like, "Come on, Bruiser, take it easy on Canada. They, we've got good beer. You're just not, you're not drinking the right beer."
1: I I get messages from our Canadian listeners all the time, and, and I love our Canadian listeners. I just don't like your country. Wow, wow. This, I will go there for this. I'm, you know, because yeah. this sounds exciting.
0: Yeah, oh, it does, it, and it it looks beautiful here. I'd, I'll show you. A, I'll show you a picture of it. Here, look at this, the Banff Springs Hotel. Look at that.
1: Oh, that is beautiful.
0: Yeah, look at that. Looks like a castle. Yeah. Imagine a nice frosty Molson while you're. <laughs> oh, God. I'll bring my own. Just had to throw that in there.
1: I'll ship my own.
0: <laughs> uh, when it was being built, original wooden hotel, a significant error occurred from the contractor, and a room was constructed with no windows or doors. Locals say this information. <laughs> Was not whoops. even yeah whoops uh, was not even shared uh, at the time uh, with the hotel owner. The secret room was found, however, after a fire broke out in 1926. Ghost hunters say apparitions often are seen outside this room in the hall era. In haunted room eight seven three, another room was reportedly a tragic murder scene, which led to the death of a family. Uh, the door has been bricked up ever since and looks like part of the wall in the hallway of the hotel. Hotel visitors have seen apparitions outside the boarded up room, and members of the family who were reported to have been murdered uh, here are believed to be responsible for the hauntings. I'm just looking at another picture of this hotel. Look at how picturesque this is.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't that's a it? great shot, too, at night with the lighting.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful.
1: Now, if you're a construction worker and you're building a room and you put up four walls and realize there's no door, why don't you say something? <laughs> you're like, uh, hey, boss, I yeah. just put these four walls up. There's no window in there. What's the purpose of this room? <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. And then I'm curious if they are willing to open up that brick where that family was murdered. Can you imagine the, the activity you'd stir up if you took that brick down? Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Uh, There's also a story of the burning bride inside the Banff Springs Hotel. Uh, Among the terrifying reports are sightings of a bride who is said to have tumbled down a staircase and broke her neck after being alarmed when her dress caught fire. She has been seen on the hotel stairs and in dancing in the ballroom, and there have been many sightings with eyewitnesses saying she has flames coming from the rear of her dress. (laughs) Wow!
1: It is. Although under- I, I laugh, I just pictured her farting and going. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you see in your camera. She looks
0: like an ass dragon. Um, it is understood there were candles on the stairs. That's a bad idea.
1: That's a very bad idea. Yeah.
0: And as the bride passed them, her dress caught fire, leading to her, uh, leading her to a panic, uh, trip and plummet down the stairs, where she died with a broken neck. Terrible! farts she, she panics. Yeah, that's right. She farts when she panics. Uh, many people have reported seeing her ghost in her wedding gown, and she is often seen dancing in the ballroom. Staff have also reported strange noises emerging from the bridal suite. Uh, despite it being empty. I think it's safe to say they probably had roast beef for the buffet. Just say. yes yeah uh the bellman the story of the bellman the most popular of all the hotel ghosts is sam mccauley who is the bellman of the hotel in the 60s and 70s his spirit is said to haunt the hotel and he helps ghosts or guests rather uh turn on room lights or carry bags however not much is known about how or where he died the ninth floor is one of his favorite spots but it is said he will vanish if you try to start a conversation or try to tip him.
1: Oh, well, okay. That's he convenient. I don't have to tip him? Sweet.
0: Yeah. That's, that's, don't have
1: to talk to him or tip him? This is like perfect.
0: That's great. I like that. Uh, other hauntings in the Banff Springs Hotel. An apparition or uh, of a bartender has also been seen by staff and guests as well and tells them that they have drunk too much and suggests it's best if they go to bed.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, I would love to get cut off by a ghost.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the most impressive ghost, which has been seen at the hotel, is said to be a headless man who plays the bagpipes, which is said to be a terrifying sight, never to be forgotten.
1: Well, yeah, because how is he filling the bagpipes? Right. Sticking in his neck hole?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Now, how would you like to be uh, half in the bag and see a headless man playing bagpipes and then you have to try and figure that out?
1: Oh, that would be terrifying. (laughs) Actually, would be terrifying. I would probably spend the rest of the night trying to figure out how he's inflating the bagpipes.
0: I'd probably lose my buzz.
1: Oh, yeah, I would, too. I'd instantly sober. But thank God the ghost bartender already cut me off.
0: I'd be like, hey, fella, how are you doing that?
1: (laughs) Gee, I was in the ballroom watching the dancing, farting bride (laughs) light up the whole ballroom. (laughs) So then the bartender cuts me off because I've had too much of drinking. I should go Mm -hmm. to bed. And while I was going to bed, the ghost was taking my luggage up. Yep. And I heard the bagpipes playing and I saw this guy and I'm like, how are you doing
0: that? (laughs) Hey, do you think you play the the bagpipes while the ass dragon blows fire? (laughs) Play Freebird. Freebird. Play (laughs) Freebird. Play Freebird. You know (laughs) Freebird? Can you play that in Canada, or do you have to play a Canadian song right after? Play Rush. Play Rush. Play Rush. <laughs> Rush. Geddy Lee. Geddy Lee. Geddy Lee.
1: <laughs> Brian Adams.
0: We love him. <laughs> Brian Adams. <laughs> Summer of 69.
1: Don't, don't play Celine Dion. That's too much. No, don't, no, no. no. S- no, s- no s- the bride
0: doesn't like Celine Dion. Oh, you he know what? Him. Play My Fart Will Go On for the Bride. <laughs>
1: You get to go for a dinner and a show. Yeah. A light show.
0: A light show,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, we have a more entertaining ghost in Scotland. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: More entertaining than a fart, fired farting ghost? Yeah, that- yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, this one is a foul Scottish ghost heard talking in a 900-year-old fortress near Hadrian's Wall.
1: Okay. I yeah. f- the foul-mouthed ghosts are
0: great. Yeah. I mean, they're not fart and fire, but they're... No. Yeah. Uh, Tony Ferguson visited a Carlisle Castle with his team of ghoul hunters and says he was left spooked by the eerie voices he claims to have heard in the 900-year-old fortress. A paranormal expert claims to have heard ghosts swearing in Scottish accents, which is the <laughs> coolest thing ever. Yeah, it is. Yeah. it, I tell you. Look at these fucking douches. <laughs> Uh, While they were visiting a 931-year-old fortress near Hadrian's Wall, uh, Tony Ferguson visited Carlisle Castle with his team. Is that not the most Scottish name you've ever heard, too? What's that? Tony Ferguson. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's pretty darn close.
1: (laughs) Tony, you stepped in shite. You fucking baller.
0: (laughs) You baller. Haggis. (laughs) Yeah. he uh, he visited Carlisle Castle with his team of ghoul hunters and says he was left spooked by the eerie voices he heard. In the by the way, folks, if you think there's a ghost cat in the background, it's not. That's Bruiser. No, it's
1: Bruiser. Yeah,
0: we have to clarify, otherwise, we're going to get emails.
1: Yeah, he gets he gets mad when I do accents. Yeah, he does because <laughs> I'm not good at it.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's like, you suck. Um, yeah, so just so you know, what was that Scottish? <laughs> <laughs> that's horrible. Uh, I don't know why he sounds like Mickey Mouse. I was gonna say, oh, why'd you turn him oh like Mickey boy, mouse? that's horrible. Um, <laughs> yes, Bruiser Mouse. Um, so uh. Where was I? Okay, yes. Tony Ferguson, Carlisle Castle, team of ghoul hunters, says he was left spooked by the eerie voices he heard in the English Heritage Castle, which was by William II in 1092. Uh, The 38-year-old said they had thick Scottish twangs. (laughs) Scottish twangs? I guess so. (laughs) So It says in the article, and began swearing as they walked around. (laughs) (laughs) get the
1: fuck out.
0: <laughs> he said, we caught several unexplained things here. And I must admit, I was blown away by the activity we had in such a small amount of time here. Well, in the stone corridors of the castle in the center of Carlisle, Cumbria, he said, he heard a male voice say go twice. <laughs> then while in one of the rooms of the fort, I almost said fart. Uh, Tony claimed he heard a muffled voice or a muffled noise, rather, in a deep Scottish accent before he heard a female say, Fuck you! Uh, <laughs> at them. Yeah. Because I imagine that's what it sounds like. It
1: is. Yeah. It is 100%.
0: Tony of Lymington, Hampshire, said, One male voice responded, I'm unsure of what was being said, but sounds like someone with a deep Scottish accent. He added, a couple of minutes later, a female voice was caught laughing and then said, Fuck you uh again it sounded like someone with a scottish accent
1: it was probably the ghost hitting on the woman ghost like hey baby (laughs) you want to go have some eyes
0: fuck you you. (laughs) fuck (laughs) you uh oddly he said a cat could be heard in the castle too
1: bruiser where's bruiser (laughs) when you need it right here yeah
0: Uh, Tony said. Then we heard a cat. Uh, this was in the upper tower. The interesting thing is, we were high up in the tower. You could clearly hear it in the room with us. Also, the castle is in a busy town center, and it would be impossible to hear a cat from below that high up. Well,
1: <laughs> after we heard the cat, we heard Seamus come on and go fucking pussy. <laughs> <laughs> That's true.
0: <laughs> Overall, there were so many things we could not explain, and with some of the voices caught, some were English and some were Scottish, and many. Lives of Scottish were taken in English with this castle. We are looking to return early next year to set up a few experiments, plus set up CCTV to see what we capture.
1: I'm going to capture Mel Brooks or uh, Mel Gibson.
0: <laughs> I, would rather they ca- <laughs> I would rather they capture Mel Brooks. That would be <laughs> much more entertaining. He just jumps up and goes, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> and then he's all screwed up because he's in yep. the wrong country. There you go. That uh that's just my interpretation. <laughs> I uh teased before we we're going to talk conspiracy theories.
1: Oh yes, <laughs> Before
0: we leave you today. Um we've got uh we've got just two stories left today on supernatural news. Um this has to do with a secret service agent who was with JFK on the day of his assassination and he breaks the silence with the claim that blows up the magic bullet theory and suggests that there was more than one shooter. Okay. 88 year old Paul Landis is an ex secret service agent and he's breaking his silence after 60 years. Uh, He was present at president John F. Kennedy's assassination. He's come forward with a new claim that would debunk the magic bullet theory and raises questions about whether there was a second shooter. 88 year old Paul Landis broke his silence last week nearly 60 years after Kennedy was shot dead in a motorcade passing through Dallas to share his bombshell recollection with the New York Times. Landis, who in 1963 was a young Secret Service agent uh, assigned to protect First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy, said that in the chaos following the shooting, he picked up a nearly pristine bullet sitting on top of the back seat of the open limousine. It was just behind where Kennedy was sitting when he was killed, he says, Landis said he took the projectile and placed it on the president's hospital stretcher to preserve it for the autopsy investigators. That bullet, the first piece of evidence logged in the murder investigation, has for six uh, six decades (laughs) careful, uh, (laughs) been said to have been found on the stretcher of Texas Governor John Connolly and was hypothesized to have fallen free from a wound to his thigh.
1: Oh, Okay. Okay. He was the one in the front seat, right?
0: Um, We'll find out here. Yeah. Uh, Landis thinks the bullet may have rolled onto Connolly's stretcher from Kennedy's while they were next to each other. Makes sense. It has long been known as the magic bullet, the bullet that supposedly passed through Kennedy's neck from the rear, then entered Connolly's right shoulder, struck his rib, exited through his right nipple, passed through his right wrist, and hit his left thigh. But Landis's assertion that it had actually exited Kennedy in his Cadillac could lay waste to the magic bullet theory and bolster the claim that Lee Harvey Oswald did not operate alone on the day of the murder. According to the official finding of the Warren Commission, Kennedy was killed by a lone gunman, which is Lee Harvey Oswald, who fired three shots at the motorcade from the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository uh, with a six-and-a-half-millimeter is it a, it's a manlicher Carcano uh, rifle? Right. Right. According to the report, one of the shots missed the motorcade. Another was the magic bullet that struck both Kennedy and Connolly, and the final round fatally struck Kennedy in the head. Now Landis says that he believes the bullet he retrieved from the limo may have been undercharged and dislodged from a shallow wound in the president's back, falling back onto the limousine seat. When the fatal shot struck his head, he theorizes that after he placed the bullet on Kennedy's stretcher, it may have fallen onto Connolly's stretcher when they were jostled together. It all, it's also possible that the hospital staffer who found the bullet and handed it over to the Secret Service misidentified which stretcher it came from, or that his account was mangled by investigators the bullet, which had been fired but was nearly fully intact, was positively matched to Oswald's uh, Mannlicher Carcano through ballistics analysis. But if Landis's claim is true, that suggests the bullet tagged by FBI evidence item C1 was not responsible for the injuries to Connolly and there was no so-called magic bullet. James Robinall, uh the attorney and historian for or who worked for Landis or with Landis on a book that he plans to release in October, believes the new account suggests the possibility of multiple shooters. If what he says is true, which I tend to believe it is likely to reopen the question of a second shooter. If not even more Robin tells the times. If the bullet we know as the magic or pristine bullet stopped in president, president Kennedy's back, it means that the central thesis of the Warren report, the single bullet theory is wrong. Robinall explained in a separate essay for Vanity Fair on Saturday, first, if the pristine bullet did not travel through both Kennedy and Connolly, somehow ending up on Connolly's stretcher, then it stands to reason that Connolly might have actually been hit by a separate bullet coming from above and to the rear. The FBI recreation suggests that Oswald would not have had enough time to get off two separate shots so quickly as to hit Connolly after wounding, wounding the president in the back. The infamous Zapruder film shows that there was roughly a second between the physical reactions of Kennedy and Connolly to being shot. FBI experts assessed that it would take Oswald a minimum of two and a third seconds to fire, work the rifle's bolt action, aim and fire another shot. The shorter gap between Kennedy and Connolly's reactions has long been explained as due to a single bullet striking both men, with Connolly delayed slightly in realizing that he had been shot. Landis' story also raises disturbing questions about how to account for Kennedy's wounds. Kennedy's autopsy indicated that the following bullet wounds, a small neat one in his back around the area of his right scapula a small neat one in the front center of his throat, a small neat one in the rear right of his skull, and a massive jagged exit wound in the right front of his skull. The bullet hole in his upper right back had long been explained as the entry point for a bullet that then exited the front middle of Kennedy's throat. The throat wound was expanded by ER docs uh, for an emergency tracheotomy, and their description of the original wound as a small had to be relied on at an autopsy. Uh, But if the bullet wound to his back, which autopsy reports said could not be deeply probed to face the, or rather to trace the bullets path was caused by an undercharged bullet. Then that then fell back onto the limousine seat. Then where did the throat wound come from?
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, The throat wound, they think is an exit wound.
0: Right. Right. Uh, Robinall raises the haunting possibility that the throat wound was actually an entry point, as ER docs initially suspected, saying the bullet might have been or might have fragmented on hitting Kennedy's spine. Okay. Okay. He noted that autopsy x-ray technician Gerald F. Custer testified in 1997 that he had seen evidence of metallic shards near Kennedy's upper spine but that the x-ray slide was one of three missing from the National Archives.
1: Ah, okay. Okay. Somebody's hiding something.
0: If a bullet entered Kennedy's throat from the front, it could not have been fired by Oswald from the book depository, which was directly behind the motorcade at the time of the assassination. The possibility of multiple shooters has been a popular theory, theory since the immediate aftermath of the assassination with many pointing to the so-called grassy knoll area to the right of the motorcade route. As well, the triple underpass in front of the motorcade would have offered an elevated sniper position and other tall buildings surrounded the book depository to the rear of the motorcade. robinall acknowledged in Vanity Fair that neither this article nor Landis's book has the insight or forensic expertise to hazard any new conclusions about a second shooter. Others will have to analyze the evidence in full to see where it now leads, he added. So who is Paul Landis and why is he speaking out now?
1: Yeah, this is the the big question.
0: That's the big question. Landis, who was just 28 on the day of the assassination, was one of the youngest Secret Service agents of his day. A fact reflected in his codename, which was Debut. He grew up in Worthington, Ohio, and following a stint in the Ohio Air National Guard, he was working in a clothing store when his family friend described working for the Secret Service, sparking his imagination. Despite his diminutive stature, he had to stretch to reach a 5 foot 8 height requirement. Uh, Landis joined the elite agency in 1959 and worked out of the Cincinnati office for several years, investigating check fraud and counterfeiters. He joined the Presidential Protective Squad during the Eisenhower administration when he was assigned to watch over the president's grandchildren. When Kennedy took office, Landis was tasked with guarding his children and later First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy, traveling with her to trips to Italy in 1962 and Greece in October of 1963. He was in Dallas on that fateful November day because Jacqueline had traveled to Texas with the president for a trip that marked the informal start of his campaign for re-election. Landis was standing on the running board of the car immediately behind the president's limousine when the fatal shots were fired, according to the Times. He heard the first shot and looked over his right shoulder in the direction of the sound. Looking back to the president, he saw Kennedy raising his arms, evidently hit. As his partner Cliff Hill sprinted toward the limo, he heard a louder second shot, then a third, he told The Times, the fatal shot that struck Kennedy's head. He was haunted by the day, the president's head exploding. I could not shake that vision, he told The Times. Whatever I was doing, that's all I was thinking about. Traumatized by the assassination, Landis quit the Secret Service six months later and returned to Ohio. He never testified to the Warren Commission. And his two written statements immediately after the shooting do not mention finding a bullet. They differ in other aspects from his recollection now as well. After the shooting, Landis said he only heard two shots. Landis said that for years he tried to put the assassination out of his mind and did not read about it. He never doubted that Oswald was a lone gunman. He claims now that he did not realize his experience differed from the findings of the Warren Commission, the investigation established by President Lyndon B. Johnson. That changed in 2014 when he finally read a book about the assassination that a friend had given him called Six Seconds in Dallas. The 1967 book argued that there were multiple shooters. Learning that the official account of where the pristine bullet was found was flawed, Landis emailed his own partner, Hill, who replied, warning of many ramifications for speaking out according to the times landis grappled with his conscience and finally decided to write a book which is due for release on october 10th entitled the final witness there's no goal at this point he told the times of his reason for speaking out i just think it had been long enough that i needed to tell my story he declined to tell the newspaper that he now believes there was a second shooter saying only that he is now uncertain at this point, I'm beginning to doubt myself," he said. Now I begin to wonder.
1: That's that's very interesting. That yeah, he wasn't interviewed. You know what I mean? Like, you'd want to interview everybody that was on the scene. And yeah. I get that if you set the bullet on Kennedy's stretcher, there's a lot of chaos going on. That bullet's not going to stay there. Right. You know, right? The way they're moving them,
0: right. Well, it sounds like he put it there and he notified somebody. But in the chaos, like you said, it gets shuffled about.
1: Yeah, because it—it's not. We've seen chaos. You know, everyone's seen the video. It turns into complete chaos once Kennedy's hit. You know, but and,
0: you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, Bruiser. And in that in that case, wouldn't you, as an agent, secure that bullet and say, "I found this bullet behind President Kennedy." And here's exactly where I found it. And you can attest to it. So therefore, you, you don't know. You don't have the hindsight to say that a commission is going to be called and your right. testimony is going to be needed. But you can grab that pristine bullet and bring it to a superior and say, I found this bullet in this particular spot. Put it in a bag for evidence.
1: Well, we don't know what was happening, though, because his his detail was Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. Kennedy goes down. He sees the bullet he puts the bullet on the stretcher. He might've been called away cause they were trying to get Jack, Jacqueline to safety. Right. So his primary concern isn't that bullet at that point in time. His primary concern is protecting her. True. True. So in a perfect world, yes, he would find a supervisor and do all that. But I think in the world of chaos, he was setting it down because he did say something to somebody. Yeah. I think it might've been in passing because he was being pulled to her to get her to safety. Yeah. Because if you watch, she was, she was, if you watch the video when Kennedy gets hit and part of his brain goes in the trunk, she climbs out, grabs the brain and pulls it back. Yeah. So like that, that that would traumatize anybody. Now here's a young wife watching her husband's brains basically get splattered everywhere. Plus now you're a, you're the government. You're like, Hey, we have to protect the first ladies. You know, the governor's down, the president's down. We have to do everything we can to protect her. Of course, he's just gonna put whatever he can down and go. I, if I was him, I would have put it in my pocket and gone and done my thing. And then later followed protocol. This was on here. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why he didn't do that. Again, I, we weren't there. We don't know what his mindset was. We don't know the chaos that was going on. But I think it does. Him saying this does open up to the fact there could be a second shooter, because. I've always thought Kennedy wasn't the only target. I think the governor was also a target.
0: Why do you say that? Why do you think the governor was also a target?
1: Because he was a big supporter of Kennedy and, and in Kennedy's things. And if you go back to like how he helped Kennedy and he was promised all these different things from the Kennedy administration, that'd make me a target. You know what I mean? Kennedy, we have to get rid of Kennedy, and we got to get rid of his, his supporters. Because if you think about it, after, as years go on, you know, his brother dies, all these other people die. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it all centers around JFK. He, he was the primary target, but I think the governor or Jacqueline could have been the second target. And the governor was just in the spot where he was sitting. She couldn't get hit.
0: I think there was acceptable casualties I, I don't uh-huh. know if, if Governor Connolly would have been a target. Um, okay. I, the reason I say that is because when you look at, at the potential suspects of who could have been behind the assassination,
1: yeah.
0: um, all of them would have had the, and even when you talk about Robert F. Kennedy, um, when you, when you when you think of who would potentially want them out of the way you have you of course you have your main target and then you have acceptable casualties of who who could be killed yeah of course there's nobody honorable in those list of suspects that would say okay if you happen to hit the first lady that's fine right all of them would think that that would be acceptable and yeah. i know it sounds
1: no, no. That's Monst- what assassins don't think like us. They right. Think.
0: It sounds monstrous, but it, it's yeah. acceptable to them to say if you hit Governor Conley and his wife, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, that's acceptable to them. You know, cross the board casualties of whoever's sitting in that vehicle is fine.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it doesn't matter to them. Whatever it is to make it look like uh, it's just, uh, you know, scattershot casualties is fine. Um. As long as it doesn't get traced back to the real person who put the hit out. Right. Um, I think that's fine.
1: Which it was an internal. I think it was an internal thing. It was a political hit is what I think. I don't think Russia didn't. I don't think KGB. I think it was within our own government. And that's why when the Warren Commission was put together and all this stuff, once the Warren Commission said this is it, everybody just within the government accepted that. It was the conspiracy theorists that bring up all these other things. And now, well, look at this. This guy left six months after it was done. The Warren Commission wasn't done with their investigation then. It worries me because they didn't interview him right away. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he, he clearly was, you know, he was there. He was an important part of it because his assignment was was Jackie O. Right. He'd be one of the first people I interview.
0: I there I wanna I want to ask you this: You don't believe that the mob had anything to do with it, or the mob? Oh, no, no, was? the mob
1: might have for political ties. Yeah, because I think it was it was an American assassinate It was an American order, ordered hit, is what I'm saying. I don't think yeah. any other foreign country had anything to do with it. Was it the mob? Maybe because they're with all the political ties they have. Was it the uh, other party? Could have been. Was it his party? Could have been. I, uh, you know. The mob is the reason I think mob is lower on my list is just all the cover-up that's gone into this. You know.
0: But if, if anybody could have pulled off multiple assassinations of political heads of state, it would be the mob. And and make it in in and put patsies in play, such as, as Lee Harvey Oswald and
1: and Jack Ruby, because I believe Jack Ruby was also a patsy. Right. Uh, it, Jack Ruby's Jack Ruby's whole thing is your job is to make sure this guy doesn't make it to talk.
0: Yeah. Uh, because if you look at, I mean, if you, and you tie things back to Joe Kennedy, there was a, there was a lot of there were a lot of favors that were done to get to get uh, Jack in office, and then yeah. to. You know, and then to have Robert turn around and say that he's going after the mob is a a direct betrayal of of everything that was done to get them into office. Right. Um, And and the mob doesn't take kindly to that.
1: No, they don't. And the mob always tries to find ways to get political power, whether it be on the, the federal level or whether it be on the local level. But I still think it had... Because so of all the players that there's so many players that had to be involved because let, let's say just for argument's sake, yes, two shooters. Well, there's two people right there you have to have. The third would be Jack Ruby who has to kill whoever gets arrested for this. Then you have the person that has to um, get rid of evidence, for instance, this bullet mm-hmm. or move it to make it questionable, mm-hmm. you know, so there's another person, and then you have to have, with the autopsy and everything, everything going on within the medical part so that they don't mention the shards where, that were in the spine. you know. And then it goes even further that you need somebody that is on that Warren Commission to make sure that your narrative is told within that, that report. That's why I think it's political. The mob has a lot of hands, yes, but I think – I think the mob planted the seed and somebody else took carried with it. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it does go back to the the fact they were, they were turned, they were double crossed Mm -hmm. by the Kennedys, but the mob knew they needed more. So they went to whoever enemies they had within the politics and said, Hey, we have a common enemy. What we have an idea of how to take care of this. We just need the people.
0: I hear you. I hear you. Um, I don't know. You know, I it's. I think we're all going to be long dead before any of this comes comes to fruition or, or any of it comes out that that makes a, a, even a little bit of sense. I mean, there's yeah. been so much that's been redacted or lost to time.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, the the it's interesting. I, I'm trying to remember the name of the guest we had on that at one time was a conspiracy theory believer and has now become an extreme skeptic and says, no, he believes in the, um, he believes in the theory that, that it was just Lee Harvey Oswald was a single gunman. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the guest we had on true crime Tuesday. And he, he cites that everything is thorough with the with Warren commission, that if you read the Warren commission's findings, they are quite thorough. And and if you read it from beginning to end, um, you'll find that, everything there it it comes out in the wash. Yeah. Um I I am not so sure. You know I, I don't think that's the case. No. I I think uh I think JFK had made plenty of of enemies were in in areas that were you know, you didn't want to make enemies. Um, right. And and, he, and and
1: the reason too I think it it goes in the, the politics is you go back to Lincoln's assassination. You know. Mhm. That was run by a completely separate – his his enemies was in office, I believe, ordered that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you go through all the years that presidents have assassinations, and you come up to the Reagan assassination, where I don't think the Reagan assassination had anything to do with politics. I firmly believe that he was crazy, you know, mm-hmm. because of the way that the assassination attempt was done. Yeah. Because it wasn't well planned. It wasn't no. thought out. No, it was sloppy. Yeah. But if you go to the the JFK assassination, like, let's just go with the Warren Report. Oswald planned that down to a T. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now if we go to conspiracy theory side with two shooters, whoever planned the assassination planned it down to a T also and then was able to move on the fly because this guy is now coming out. Here we are 2023. And he's saying, no, I found this bullet here. I put it here. It ended up here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's as simple as a a nurse or a paramedic moving that bullet over to get uh, more, to be able to get to Kennedy's body, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, and on top of that, it's, it's little things like, you know, there's a medic that says, well, I, I swear I saw metal shards in the front of the throat. Yep. You know, I I know that wasn't an exit wound. I know it was an entry wound. Um, But you know, all of a sudden these these films that were taken are, are gone, you know, and, and little little pieces of brain matter are gone, or there's there's certain things that are gone that, that, you know, we know we did. Yeah. You know, we know we did this.
1: There was always bringing the question, why did they give him a tracheotomy? He was shot in the back of the head and in the throat. You don't need to do the tracheotomy, you know, there. You could go below. Yeah. You know, he was basically dead after that third shot you know
0: yeah yeah
1: so why would they cut open an unknown wound that they need to do an aut- you know what i mean it's going to be an autopsy right so right yeah it's it like you said we won't know the truth to we're long dead
0: yeah and and it it'll be interesting to see if if that generation even cares at that point. Um,
1: That's the other thing too. Is it, what, okay. So what if it does come out? Yes, there's two shooters. The second shooter was this. This is the people that ordered it. Does it change anything?
0: That's a good question. You know, when when everyone is is long dead, and and does it change? Does it change anything as far as history goes? Exactly. And and does it change the way anything is done at that point?
1: Exactly, because after he died, they obviously changed a lot of stuff when it comes to security for our presidents. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I don't that's know. That's like that's like people that say nine eleven was a the conspiracy theory. Okay, well if it comes out with that, does it change anything? You know? And I'm doctor that's that's another you know, God, that'll be another sixty, seventy years before anything comes out on that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because that our generation will be gone by then.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I, I don't know it, it you know, it, in, in our lifetime, yes, it changes things it, yes. even in, in, but, but you know, it's interesting, you know, what's interesting is, is when, when everything came up again for the anniversary of, of 9-11, you're starting to see the reports on TV now that there's a whole new generation that didn't live through 9-11 mm-hmm. and they're now learning about it in school and they just have the blank look. Yep. Like they can't relate to it. They don't, to them it's, they, they've never lived, they've never lived in a world where terrorism wasn't a thing.
1: My two younger daughters, they, they were born after 9-11. So they have no idea. They know it was a tragic day and like they, they learn about it, but they don't understand why it affects me the way it affects me or why, you know? Yeah. And, but, that's my grandfather used to say you could every generation has that giant moment so you can go back to the my grandfather's generation that mm-hmm. giant moment was was Pearl Harbor mm-hmm. when Pearl Harbor was attacked that was the World War II generation mm-hmm. you go to you know the generation after that it was the Kennedy assassination then you come to our generation it was 9-11 it's a scary what's this next generation's moment gonna be you know what I mean that's scary to think of
0: right right exactly and and the moments don't get smaller they get bigger no. yeah and and they get more catastrophic and that's 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 the scary thing is it they keep getting bigger they keep getting more catastrophic and they end up tearing down society as a result and yep. and that's that's what that's what's scary. That's what's scary about the entire thing. Well, let's move on. I, I, I've got two more stories here. I, I pulled the second story here uh, for the end of the program. This uh, next story is about an unusual creature found in Brazil that is the world's first known fox dog hybrid.
1: Oh, okay. It's going to be a cute little thing. <laughs> uh,
0: in the Disney movie, The Fox and the Hound, the two uh, animals become unlikely friends. As it turns out, the pairing may not have been so far fetched. A, dog, a dog-fox hybrid was recently discovered in Brazil, and it's believed to be the first known crossbreed between the two creatures. The strange-looking canine was found after it was run over by a car in 2021.
1: Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Hopefully I had some offspring.
0: Yeah. It was rushed to a hospital in Rio Grande do uh the country's southernmost state, where it stumped veterinarians who did not know what to make of it. The black, pointy-eared animal displayed unusual characteristics, appearing neither fully wild or fully domestic. I have a picture of it right here, Bruiser, so you can take a look. That's what it looks like. It
1: looks like a dingo. Dingo (laughs) ate my baby.
0: (laughs) Dingo ate my baby. Um, It was not as docile as a dog, but it also lacked the aggressiveness expected of a wild canid well-handled. Flavia Ferrari, a conservationist, told The Telegraph, Intrigued, researchers ran a series of tests in order to identify the animal's genetic makeup. They determined that it was a hybrid between a pampas fox, a fox native to South America, and a domestic dog, according to a study published on August 3rd in the journal Animals. To our knowledge, this represents the first documented case of hybridization between these two species. The discovery implies that although these species diverged about six 0.7 0.7 million years ago and belong to a different uh, genera, uh, they might still produce viable hybrids, according to researchers. The hybrid has been called a dachshund, which is a combination of dog and a graxiam decampo, which is the Portuguese name for the pampas fox, according to the Telegraph. The animal died earlier this year of an unspecified cause.
1: Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Like I said, hopefully there's more out there.
0: Yeah, hopefully there is. Um, by the way, there's other uh, species that are crossed like that. Mules, by the, by the way, are a cross between donkeys and horses.
1: And, yep, and, and they're um, sterile.
0: Yeah, and ligers are a cross between lions and tigers.
1: Yep, and they're sterile also.
0: Yeah. So there you go. Two, two examples of hybrids that are out there. So, uh, and finally... Uh, I know that uh, summer is coming to a close. I actually got got called to task by a listener who said that it's not fall yet, Tim, when I said (laughs) it was a beautiful fall morning. You know what? Here's why I consider it fall, Bruiser. The Vikings are playing. It's uh, no longer 90 degrees outside. Labor Day has passed. The kids are in school. Okay. It's fall.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, but, you know. But I got called on the carpet. It's summertime because it's on the calendar. It's still summer. I yeah, well, weather states otherwise. <laughs> yeah, the weather states otherwise. I ain't sweating my balls off and it doesn't feel like I'm residing in Satan's taint. Exactly. So there you go. Um, I'm trying to bring up the story here about this uh, world record peach, but you know what? It doesn't want to come up. Anyways... <laughs> I don't know.
1: Well, world, world record peach. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it's James and the Giant Peach.
0: James and the Giant Peach. Uh, I was trying to bring it up here, but it uh you know what she said. She doesn't want to show her peach, she ain't gonna <laughs> You know what if she doesn't want to show it, she doesn't have to. It's her prerogative. That's what Bobby Brown said, and then he got arrested. For for
1: looking at someone's peach illegally. <laughs>
0: There's a there's a rumor about Bobby Brown, you know. Oh, here it is. Okay, so Colorado Orchards two point zero two pound peach might be a new oh. world record. Damn. That's, that's a big big old peach. <laughs> <laughs> a, a Colorado orchard owner says he believes that a two point zero three pound peach grown on one of his trees might be a new Guinness world record. Brian Cox, owner of Black Bear Orchards and Palisade uh, said some of his workers discovered the unusually large peach earlier this week.
1: And his wife said, thank you. <laughs>
0: uh, he said, we made a contest with the guys, so the guys were flagging the biggest peaches that they were finding, <laughs> writing their names on them.
1: And again, his wife said, thank you.
0: Thank you. Uh, the prizes were $1,000 for the guy and $1,000 for the crew. I believe they used to do this at Van Halen concerts. <laughs> Uh, the peach weighed in at 2.02 pounds which Cox soon discovered was considerably larger than the current Guinness world record of 1.75 pounds Cox said my girlfriend was looking into the Guinness book of world records page and realized that we'd been breaking the record for years and we just didn't realize it
1: Cox's peach was beating the world record huh? yeah Honey, we're, we're world record holders.
0: You got the biggest peach, baby.
1: Torque that, baby.
0: Yep.
1: I'm going to go torque the field, baby.
0: Here's a picture of him holding the peach.
1: Oh, and the fruit, too.
0: Yeah, and the fruit. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it's kind of underwhelming with the three of them standing there because they're all so tall. Yeah, yeah. Like, they should have put it next to, like, a, a normal peach.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. And they're, they're, they've they're got their hands all over it, so you can't really see it.
1: Well, I love, too, that she has no idea what to do with her left hand. Yeah. She's like, what do I do with my hands? The other guy's got his hand on the peach. Uh, you know. And the fruit.
0: Yep. <laughs> there you go. Uh. So that'll do it for today on the big show. Tomorrow, Adam Berry. Nice. Yeah, he'll be on. He'll be talking about his brand new book called Goodbye Hello, which is available for pre-order right now. It comes out on September twenty-sixth. Very cool. And we'll be talking about all things, uh, all things on the other side. We'll be talking about, um, boy, the the mo- again, the most disturbing thing I think we talk about tomorrow is is how you can create your own afterlife.
1: Yeah, I'm very interested to hear that.
0: And it's just. To me, I guess the most disturbing thing about it, bruiser is you could end up on a different plane of the afterlife than your, your children. Yep. Based on your beliefs.
1: Yep. So I gotta get my children the same beliefs as me.
0: And it, it could be something as simple as—I mean, I hate to bring up the scenario, but but the, the scenario was brought up tomorrow on tomorrow's show, and it had it happened on a. Um, It happened on an episode of kindred spirits where there's a mother and a daughter and the mother is a religious woman and she goes to her version of heaven and the daughter commits suicide and she's earthbound. Yeah. And in order to bring them together, Adam and Amy use the Estes method and they get them talking to each other. But the mother, although she forgives the daughter they communicate and tell each other they love each other, but the daughter's still on the earthbound plane, and the mother is still in heaven. They've they they, they they've talked to each other. They, they let each other know they love each other, but they're still not on the same plane. They're still not yeah. together.
1: They can't be with each other.
0: Yeah, which is incredibly sad. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, you know, there, there's... I don't know. So, we, I mean, we go through a lot of deep stuff tomorrow. It's a very good show. Very good show. I encourage you to, to tune in and check it out. Um, but there's a lot of deep stuff there. Dream visitations. Um, uh, a lot of things about different cases uh, he's been on. His, his, um, his um, history with TAPS. We talked about his history with TAPS and Ghost Hunters. Okay. Um, a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff
1: so. Very excited to hear it.
0: Yeah. So, Adam Berry on tomorrow's show here on Darkness Radio. What you got going on this weekend?
1: Uh, just training the youth of uh, America to professional wrestle. It's Slash uh, training if you want to come out and get trained by me. And uh, you know what? I'm going to have some barbecue this weekend.
0: Hey, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to conquer that elliptical. I, uh, I had me some Jelly Bean and Julius last weekend.
1: I had some hillbillies last weekend, too, Did so. You?
0: Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff.
1: And they had just come back from a, uh, winning something, too, so it's like, oh.
0: Oh, look at that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah I had uh, had a little Jelly Bean and Julie's last weekend. Uh, oh, the brisket, boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Melt in your mouth. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah yeah I know uh, I know they're doing a lot of uh, construction over in Anoka, the uh, Halloween capital of the world. Folks Jelly Bean and Julia's is still open. They're still open. they're still running. I know it may be a little tough to get over there, but but uh, by all means, but it's goes, worth it yeah, go see Corey and the staff over there. At, uh, Jellybean and Julia's are open and waiting for you over there. so uh, yeah, by all means. so it's yeah, still, and
1: Hillbilly's barbecue and Lowell over here in North Carolina. Whew. yeah. In and out. You're in and out real quick. Because so it's just, oh, and right when you, what I love, and I'm sure you like this about Jellybean and Julius too, is like right when you walk up, you can smell the smoker.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: And then right when you walk in, because they got the open kitchen
0: <laughs> at Hillbilly's, <laughs> it's oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. So good. Yep. Yeah, and you don't leave hungry. I know that.
1: No, you do not. No, nope. in fact, we bring stuff home. Mrs. Yep. Bruiser, she ordered their monster burger. It's a giant burger, mm-hmm. and she only ate a quarter of it. The rest she brought home.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. You don't leave. You don't leave uh, hungry when you when you leave those joints. That's for sure. No, you don't. That's for sure. So,
1: um, um, you know if the listeners want to, I'm on the Bobby Fish Undisputed podcast. Oh
0: yes, yes, yes. Let's let's promote that. Yep.
1: <laughs> so Undisputed, um, it's the Bobby. It's called Undisputed. It's Bobby Fish podcast. I'm a guest. I've known Bobby f- twenty years, about. But we get into the darkness radio stuff because uh, Bobby's producer, co-host, really into the paranormal. We do wrestling too. We talk a lot of wrestling. Share a lot of memories of Jay Briscoe. And then uh, getting some of the paranormal stuff. And
0: just a fun conversation. Cool. So uh, check it out, folks. Uh, look it up wherever you get your podcast Bobby Fish's Undisputed Podcast. And uh, look out for Bruiser's episode. So they
1: yep. Just dropped. So
0: Just dropped. There you go. Um, like we said, Adam Berry on tomorrow's episode. Uh, have a. Have a good, safe weekend, folks, and uh, again, join us right back here tomorrow for Adam Barry for Beer City Bruiser. I'm Tim Dennis. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we will see you tomorrow for more Darkness Ray.